Well, I'm so glad that you are joining us for episode 10. Man, it feels like it's gone quickly. Episode 10 uh, of our conversations for change. I've been so impacted by this series of conversations with people um, that I have massive respect for. I feel like I've learned every week something new, every episode something new, and I'm really excited to introduce a new face, a new voice to our conversation, and here she is, Candace. Candace Lee, known and loved, calls our Brooklyn community, downtown Brooklyn community home for how many years now? I don't know, it's been a long time. Yeah, I think it's like six movies. Yeah, yeah it's the movie theater days, right? Yeah, yeah. Back when, back when you would hear the as you walk down the aisles, because the, the floor was always sticky with like soda stains and popcorn and all that kind of stuff. But oh, it were fun times those days in the movie theater. Yeah. A lot of good times. And um, so, Candice, you know, um, you are much loved. And frankly, whenever I'm at downtown Brooklyn, that's the closest one to our house. So if I'm not preaching somewhere, that's usually where we'll turn up on a Sunday. Um, I got to say, you are one of my favorite communicators on the platform. Whether you're doing an offering moment, a community, you just bring the power. I love it. You're anointed and you walk in authority and wisdom. And so, I mean, I know professionally you're consulting in financial services and then, you know, in your personal life, you recently got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. And you're doing seminary right now? Doing seminary as well, yeah, which is so fun. you just fun. wanted to like pack a lot into your life at the moment? Is that what that was about? <laughs> yeah, it's like a little bored, work was boring, doing another degree. <laughs> just, you know, building a marriage and got a full-time job and seminary on the side. Like, Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm really excited about this conversation and I don't completely know where it's going to go, but I just want to say a massive thank you for being part of it. Yeah, no, thank you for having um, this series. Thanks for making space for these conversations. I think um, hopefully they'll be good for other people, but at the very least, I think this will be good for me. Um, so grateful to be here. Well, you know, honestly, I kind of feel the same. You know, you asked me before we hit record, you know, what I've been getting out of these conversations. And I, I mean, honestly, I can think back on every one of them now. This will be number 10 in the series. And I can, I can name moments, phrases, personal stories, revelations or insights, the kind of thing that like, you know, they say when you see something and you can't unsee it, that's, that's how I felt like they've been shaping for me. And I, I got no doubt that today will be very much the same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, we don't have a script or a plan, but we got a few ideas of what we want to talk about. And I thought maybe a cool st place to jump in because it's a big topic that I think people think differently about. It's one of those words that people like to use in the church. And if I could be so bold, I think it's a word that we misuse <laughs> sometimes in the church. And it is the word, I feel like I want to drum roll, you know. <laughs> I know. And the word is, but the word is unity. Mm. Um, and it's interesting because it's like, well, what could be wrong with unity, Paul? Like when I say like, it's a word that we misuse, but I think instinctively we all know that in the church world, sometimes we have weird ideas of what we mean when we say unity. And no doubt, like, I mean, look, you're the seminary student here. You're the, you know, the Bible's full of promises about unity where there is unity. God commands blessing. You know, it's one of my favorite promises. But 
what do we mean when we say unity is probably a really big deal. And, you know, I know this is something you've been thinking about, talking yeah. about. So talk to me about unity in the church in a time when obviously this series, a lot of it is aimed at talking about racism, systemic injustice, the local church, the gospel. How does all this intersect with the good news of Jesus for healing and true reconciliation? So where does unity factor into all of this and how do we get it so wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so hopefully none of my seminary professors will be watching this and grading my, <laughs> grading my response. Um, but yeah, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, right? Um, I, I agree in the church, we tend to talk about unity. And I think what we typically mean when we talk about unity is um, how can we make um, how can we make things comfortable, particularly on race and racism? How can we make things comfortable and how can we make things um, kind of smooth out, primarily for white people? That's been my experience, at least in diverse church, diverse, diverse churches. And so what that looks like in practice and, you know, in reality is let's not talk about certain things. Let's not you know, really go into certain topics. Let's not talk about race or policing and um, let's not spend time really dealing with people's experiences. Um, let's kind of, you know, maybe not spend time on things like Black History Month, you know, because maybe that creates too much separation. You know, people are going to be uncomfortable with that. Um, and I think the, the impact of that approach is that uh, for black, for I'll, I won't speak for everyone. I didn't get nominated, you know, black person of the week uh, to, to, to speak for everyone. Um, but at least, at least for me, um, I think the impact of that, it can be that um, black people feel as though our unique experience, the way that God has created us and the way that we experience, you know, America and um, how that, how, that experience helps us even to experience God differently and to read the Bible differently, that there's a depth and a richness that we can add. And it can make it me feel as though that is not valuable, right? That that's not um, important, that that's not uh, going to be a value add to the community. And, um, and I think in times where, you know, our world is inflamed, you know, <laughs> and there's potentially something that the church could say that would be meaningful. That not that there could be, there is so much that the church has to offer on this because there is everything that God has to offer on these topics. Um, then we, 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 our witness suffers, you know, we're not able to, to speak into situations the way I mean, that God intended us to do. Um, and so I think there's like, there's like this dual kind of impact, which is that how are we loving each other well within our communities? And then also what is our witness looking like outside? Um, so yeah, I, I'll, I'll stop there. I'd love to, you know, get your, get your thoughts. Or... Well, let's, let's talk more about that. I mean, I think, so I think, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think, um, think we have a funny thing in mind or or something maybe other than what God meant when he, he spoke about unity, certainly short of real unity or, or even community. Sometimes when we say, you know, it's some version of things like this. I mean, like you gave the example of like, we don't want to talk about hard things. That's not exactly the phrase you use. You know, sometimes particularly when it comes to the white community, that's what we mean when we talk about white fragility is like, let's not bring up hard stuff, you know, and make the white people nervous, you know? So there's that. 
Um, but then there's, there's other pieces to it as well, right? I mean, sometimes it feels, and I don't know, maybe you can unpack this a little bit, like, like there's some, some version of the church, try, the church at large, trying to say some kind of like, a, can't we all just get along? You know what I mean? Or, or I don't know, like, or, you know, it's like, well, you know, like, it's like, it's not about color, we're all Christians, right? And so there's sort of this idea that it's like unity should mean that we put aside differences or maybe that we don't even acknowledge differences in the first place because I guess like the, the theological, the, the spiritualizing of it sounds something like, well, it's just about one name and it's like we're one kingdom. There's, you know, you use all the yeah. one, 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 you know what I mean? So it's like, like, so what's to talk about? Right. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree with that. And there's this also kind of, um, you know, what, one of the things that we actually are, we have talked about in seminary is like this idea of like this disembodying of, you know, um, of, of religion and, and of Christianity, like this idea that we're all just spirit anyways, right? You know, we're not, you know, um, so it's the differences like that the, these bodies we have, the outside that that's, and I don't want to get too, um, like, you know, theologically like in, in the weeds here but I, th I think there's this idea that you know the, the the physical bodies that God gave us you know people not really understanding that that is also an expression of God's creativity and his intention you know that we're, we're taking lightly what that means that God chose to make people and that he made them different and gave them different languages and gave them different hair and gave them different all of these cultural, like that, that, that we're, I think we take that lightly, and I think we take that lightly to our, um, it's our detriment. I think we don't really get to experience the fullness of God, and I, I think what we, what we have is, is this fake unity where, where we we're asking people to just get along and to not um, bring up things that could make people, that could make people uncomfortable, um, and also wanting to kind of really move through things really quickly, you know, and I, this is not exactly the same the same thing, but you know, if any if you've ever had a friend and had a really hard time or like experienced like a, something really difficult, and you're not personally experiencing that in your own life, it can be really hard to sit with them through that pain. It can be really challenging for you to just to sit in that until they're they're out of it, you know. Um, and I think there's we don't have that practice. I think sometimes we don't have that practice as a body of believers too, to sit with people in the stuff, um, particularly if some of that stuff we feel implicated in, right? If we're talking about race and like people thinking, oh no, you know, if this is about racism and systemic, do I feel, you know, now I've got to deal with my own defense mechanisms. Um, and we're not, we're not accustomed to just sitting and, and being with someone through that and saying, hey, I hear you. And this has nothing to do with like, I'm not going to take this on me. This is not about me wanting to, you know, defend myself or explain how I got where I am. Um, and yeah, and so, and you know, what I would encourage people to do, at least um, in those moments, is to to kind of, kind of, I've learned about this in, in counseling, <laughs> where me and my fiance are premarital counseling. But when you feel something like twinge in your heart, when you feel yourself start to react, it's just to like, it's to, to, to talk to God about that. Like, right. hang on, hang on, like that, where's, what's up with that, you know? You know, because if it's not about um, some sin, you know, then it, 
in, in the other, you know, with the other person, if you're, what you're probably reacting to is like something in your own spirit that like God's trying to like work out. And so when you, when you breeze past that, just to get comfortable, you, you, God can't do what he's trying to do in your life. And then you don't get the real unity because people feel that, you know, I, I, I you can tell, I, I don't know, I'm, you know, any of us who've had friends, you know, you can kind of tell when like your friends are like over your, your sad situation when they don't really want to like deal with you in that anymore. So, yeah. So where do you think, I mean, I, I, I agree, but what do you think, how do we get towards, you know, real unity, not the kind of the false unity that you're talking about where either we just, well, we put aside empathy and try to move on, or we just try and gloss over things or spiritualize away important conversations or, or avoid them. Um, what is it? What is a path to real unity look like? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think that, um, So here, I'll, I'll talk about this in two kind of frames. I think one is um, within kind of the institution of the church, right? If we're to think about that, and I think one is on the kind of mac micro level within um, relationships. And so and I'll start with the relationships first. I think what it looks like is people being way more intentional, particularly if you're in a diverse community with having outside of church relationships that with folks who don't look like you to really spend time cultivating that to not just have it be hey yeah i know her really well we serve on team together it's like oh you know what's her middle name what's her favorite color where does she live you know these kinds of things that i think we we miss um because i think on an on an interpersonal level that is where um you're able to, to maybe see the world a little bit differently, where some of those defense mechanisms that normally come up start to not come up as much because you know the person and you are starting to know their heart and you're able to take their word for it in a way that maybe you aren't um, otherwise. Amen. I think on the other side, if you think about the institution of the church, um, part of it has to do with, you know, who do we have in leadership? You know, what are the voices that are speaking and determining like the culture and the norms of our community? You know, I think, um, you know, for me, you know, one of the things that, uh, that, you know, I, I, I grew up in black, I grew up going to black church. And so, um, you know, when I first uh, came to, and I, I joked about this with um, the tar six before they, they moved, um, moved away. Like one of the first things when I came to Liberty, the, you could text your your phone number if you wanted to do if you wanted to give, you know, during giving. And I was just like, uh-uh, I'm not giving people my phone number. I don't know this. I don't even understand why they're asking for it. Like I was so thrown off with that, from you know, with that. And I was talking, and when I was talking to um, the pastors, it's just it's just a diff, it's a cultural difference. Like I've never been to a church before where people asked me to text. For anything, I was like, I don't understand how to get my bank account number. This whole thing feels off. Like I'm, I'm just really, I'm really uncomfortable. And I mean, that's kind of a silly example, but I think there are, you know, when when leadership is also not diverse, there are things that can kind of happen, and people just don't understand. Like, oh, wouldn't have known that this was something that might, you know, I might need to explain, or just like, you know, not under explain texting, but you know, I need to explain like, hey guys, just in case folks are nervous, 
this is what we're using for, not a big deal, there's lots of ways to give, don't feel pressured, you know, the thing, things like that. Um, because I think it matters and people can hear themselves reflected and I think it's the same um, when, you know, things happen in the world, you know, when, um, I know when, um, years ago when Eric Garner was, was killed and, you know, people were marching in the streets and I remember we had a woman who prayed during our prayer and praise time specifically for our city and she was black and I, and I, and I felt very seen in that moment. I felt like, hey, there are people in our leadership who get it, um, who understand that like this is not a normal Sunday. Um, and the more there are people like that in leadership, I think the more you know norms for the institution change as they should to accommodate people. And then I think you can have real unity because it's like if people, you know, hear their music reflected in worship that they're used to, they see themselves on stage. It's the same thing that I think we hear when we think about media. The more that happens, the more people think, okay, I can be my full self here. So then when we have the interpersonal relationships, people are getting the all of me as opposed to like the part of me um, that, that I typically show, you know, in, in diverse settings that might be, you know, the 20% of me. Totally. And, and, you know, I think what you're saying is true of all different types of diversity. Yeah, yeah. I think the same principle applies, you know, do we have generational diversity? Do we have gender diversity? Both, you know what I mean? Both male and female representation. Do we have, you know what I mean? It's like, or diversity of gifts. You know, it's interesting. I wasn't planning on saying this, but, you know, at the time of us recording this, we're in the middle of a series called Made for More. It's all about the book of Ephesians. And one of my favorite chapters is chapter four. Um, which is all about the, um, the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, right? And the structure of that chapter is kind of like what you and I are talking about. The first bit, the apostle Paul hammers on unity, you know, one church, one God, do you know what I mean? One communion. And then he, so he goes from unity, then he goes to diversity. He's like, you know, Christ himself is given. And then five totally different gifts that you know, have a hard time getting along, see the world differently. Do you know what I mean? Like totally, they all think their way is the most important and they're supposed to because they play different parts in the body. And then the last part is all about maturity, right? The last part of that chapter is all like, you know, that the body will build itself up in love as each part does its work. So it's okay. kind of like to me, I know, yeah. I before, let's not get too theological, but here we go. No. It's, preaching, but it's kind of, I mean, but the truth is that's kind of what we're talking about here is like, you know, we just, if we don't, if we can't get, unity is important. Yes, there are some things that are like, I mean, that, that but then at the same time, it's like embracing the unit, the diversity of the body of Christ, you know, and I'm using the gifts there as an example, but without embracing that diversity, you don't get to the maturity at the end. If all you want to do is hang on to the one, 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 it's like, okay. And he made us to play different functions. Yep. And there's, and, the, and I love that you said that because, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I've been thinking about a lot is um, the extent to which we as believers give ourselves outs that the Lord does not allow, right? We're giving ourselves options that are not options. You know, we are called to not just follow, you know, to accept and, you know, be saved. You know, that's not like it, but there's a maturing, there's a, there's a process of becoming more like God that is an expectation, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to sound like too harsh, but I think there is, particularly when it comes to race, 
and racism and you know real unity in the body, I think we should be careful not to give ourselves an option here that is not an allowable option. Like we are not allowed to like not get there. Oh, you know, cause it's so hard. And you know, when I grew up, there didn't have really black people around me. It's like, yeah, okay. But then also, Hey, like once you know, you got to know, once you see, you don't want to be like those people, right? Seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear. Like we don't, that's not what we're aiming for. We're aiming to be more like Jesus. And I think um, the, the time, you know, the time that we're in, the fact that we're quarantined and the fact that um, all this stuff is happening around the world, I think it has been such a, um, it's a real, it's going to be a really important time for the church to kind of, to start to get it more right. Mm -hmm. So now say, okay, oh, what we did before, you know, it, we, we were moving, right? Not to discount all of it, you know, we we're getting there, but now God, God is calling, he is being very clear that he's calling us to more and we need to get there because we don't, you know, we don't want to get to the end and like, didn't quite make it, so. Well, you know, I can't help but thinking too, like a big word on my heart lately for the, our church specifically has been the word reformation. Mm -hmm. And I want to teach on it at some stage, but really God gave it to me right before we went on, uh, vacation coming into summer here in the U.S. and really studying what that word means. Like really, I mean, obviously there was the period called the Reformation, but the word it really means to reform. And usually the purpose of reforming something is to get it back to its original intended purpose. And I think that's what, a lot of what's happening in the church right now is God is reforming us. If we'll yeah. allow him, like, you know, make us, if you want to call it a new wine skin or whatever, it's like, you know, there are certain things. And like you said, like we, we go we look back with gratefulness and you know what I mean? Yeah. Andy and I, one time, I can't remember what we were discouraged about something or other, but off the cuff, I said to her, well, we're not where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we were. Right. Yeah. And so there's yeah. like a little bit of a both end here. It's like, like um, praising God for, for uh, the things that he's brought us through. But I think the church has got to keep a holy dissatisfaction. It's like, we have not arrived. Do you know what I mean? By any stretch, like there is, honestly, Candace, there's so much to be done, right? And I think, I think on this subject, I, what I've observed in one of the, actually was one of the motivators for doing these conversations and keeping them going is that it's so easy just to be driven by whatever's on the news cycle and what we're talking about right now it's like the, these are not things that are going to go away like overnight. In fact, say what, you know, you before we hit record, you said something about racism and yeah. dealing with it as sin. Can you, it kind of feels like it fits right here. Can you can you say what you said before? Wait, can I say overtime? Racism and... and... And why we don't deal with racism as sin in the way that we do. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what what has been interesting, and, and this came up when we were talking about um, a night of lament that we were trying to plan in Brooklyn, um, is that bizarrely when it comes to issues of race and race uh, racism not race but specifically on racism um christians blow through it and past it in a way that we don't do with any other sin right so if i know that a sin pattern in my life is related to you know you know sexual sin or you know gambling or like whatever you know issue i have i don't just like you know, throw, throw up a prayer, you know, Jesus help me, you know, kind of thing. I don't read one book and then that's all there is to it. It is a daily practice of figuring out where my triggers are, you know, what, where are areas where I need to be seeking help? Where are areas where I need encouragement? Um, and then also like 
where I have gotten freedom, sharing that with others, you know, bringing people along. And like, we do this thing with racism where it's just like, yeah, you know, we pray a couple of times, like to your point, it's in the news. We like, you know, do something and then we're done with it. And, you know, if that's going to be our approach, it is unsurprising that the same problems that like you see even in biblical times with racism against the Gentiles, it is unsurprising that our enemy has maintained it up until now, right? Like if that's all the church is going to do, then like, you know, it's less surprising we are where we are in my Well, I mean, it's true. And I, I think it's interesting, you know, um, yeah, it can be tempting in times like these to almost, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but it's almost like we it, we get like a little bit checkbox about it, you know what I mean? Or it's like we're appeasing, you know what I mean? And so, so we read a book or listen to a podcast, or, you know what I mean? It's almost like, you know, so in, you can do it in any area of life. Like you feel bad about something happening in some other place, place of the world and you send 50 bucks and want to be able to move on, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, yeah. But, it's, but I think the hard part for me has been like, just searching my soul, being honest with myself, you know, asking friends hard questions, hearing hard feedback. I don't know, trying to think about what's, you know, because it's like one thing to like try and brush this off, like, oh, I'm not a racist. It's like, okay, but yeah. let's get a little deeper, Paul. You know what I mean? It's like, even if you just put a like put a pin in that for a minute and suppose that even could be true, it's like, let's talk about blind spots. Let's talk about bias. Let's talk about prejudice, which I, somebody said on one of these episodes is just prejudging, which I do all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, let's talk about not judging a book by its cover. Let's talk about an ability to empathize. Let's talk about seeking to understand instead of just to be understood. I mean, there's so much to this, right? To actually live out a life of empathy and learning and understanding that could even build a bridge to real unity. I mean, absolutely. I think that I, I absolutely believe that to be the case, right? I think that um, the more that as, as a real body, right. As like a real family, we can sit and talk through some of the difficult things and, and start to explain um, where bias or discrimination or racism exists in our um, communities and get everyone kind of, not that everyone has to agree but even to kind of understand where the issues lie to be able to start to check behaviors start to change behaviors um i think that's what builds the trust right that's what builds trust for people who like like me who otherwise would think you know what i'm good you know i yeah you know i don't i don't want to i don't necessarily need to to deal with you know this disappointment and also racism at the same time like i you know i'll just deal with the one um i think that's what builds the the bridges um and at the same time you know the more we can do that um as you know or at least more I, the more i think that white people do that publicly starts to then help black, I would assume, at least I'll say for me, it helps me to think, okay, well, I can trust this person now. Mm -hmm. Now that I see what they're doing and it's not just about, you know, although it is important, you know, to your point, like, you know, checking our own hearts and, you know, being with our own families where, you know, we have our, probably the most influence for a lot of people. Um, you know, once we move outside of that into like, hey, this is, 
you know, the place where I have power and, and influence, and this is where I have a say over the norms and the practices, and we're going to, like, talk about racism here, we're going to talk about discrimination here, and we're going to, like, be real clear, call it out, and we're going to, like, change it. I think the more we do that, then, like, black people are like, oh, okay, so I'm good. Like, everyone's not like, perfect, but at least, like, you feel like I can meet you more, you know, halfway on this, because this is a real... A lot of sense to me. Yeah. And then, you know what, what's interesting about that too is it is really a both end and I've struggled with that tension at times because it is both public and private especially I think for people in places of leadership the public piece is also important because there's um, a stewardship responsibility whatever your type of leadership corporate church whatever there's a there's some responsibility that comes with the influence or the platform whatever that that brings but it is a both end because I know for me um, you know there's one one low form of leadership in a season like these is to only do the public thing and then people get a sense you're just posturing like it's like yeah you do whatever call it like like make me the hypocrite here yeah yeah you do your conversations for change <laughs> never have a conversation without recording it right that would be hypocrisy yeah and um, you know and so so i think that's important and then on the other hand i do think it's important to not only have conversations in private i mean in a way like i guess i just decided this is something i can do i have a lot to learn and i'm going to probably ask some dumb questions i'm probably going to have opportunities to be offended gonna, you know what i mean i'm going to go on the record learning and that's okay and hopefully that makes it feel okay for other people to meet in the middle and also what's been fascinating for me too is I feel like there's like when you're willing to go, yeah. um, other people meet you in the middle. So some interesting conversations for me have been some of my, uh, you know, black African American uh, pastor friends expressing to me things I would never have known, like them saying some of the racism they experienced from their own community or from, yeah. do you know what I mean? Or from other minority communities. And I'm like, okay, this helps me to recognize, you know what I mean? There, there is a unique dimension to, um, some of the interactions between white and, 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 and black communities. And then there's also some of this is about human nature yeah. from the fall, fall of mankind, right? At a sin level where it's like, we all have to be willing to take some steps, right? Yeah. Reward each other to have these conversations. But, but I also want to honor what you said, because I think there has been a sense in which the white community, particularly in the church in America, call it white evangelical church or whatever, has been hogging the mic, if you could put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I, I, you know, it's so funny because I, I was, I'm so encouraged, um, you know, by a lot of what I've seen. I've, I've been like, a little discouraged sometimes about some other things that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, and some of that is also how to hold that tension, right? You know, um, my mom talks about, you know, is it chew the meat, spit out the bones? You know, so it's, you know, how can, how can I not look at the, the, our church at large, like that, res, like various responses, mm -hmm. just in one light, how can I say, okay, well, this is where it looks like we're making progress. This is where it looks like, you know, people probably need a little bit more time or a few more conversations before, you know, or they totally get it. Um, and how can I do that? And how can I express that in a way um, that doesn't get me in a position where all of a sudden I just bail, you know, on a whole community because I'm just like, I'm, I'm over it. Um, because I don't think that's helpful either, right? That, that, that 
that doesn't look like Jesus either. <laughs> so it's comfortable to share. You don't have to be specific, yeah. but give some examples of the sorts of things that are, if you don't mind me yeah. asking the question, is like what are some of the sorts of things that are maybe discouraging to you, like the yeah. are we really getting anywhere moments? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I know that, you know, when I hear um, and this is I've I've heard um, some you know, prominent pastors saying, you know, oh, well, there's no such thing as systemic racism. I'm thinking, okay, well, that, yeah, that's, that's hard. Um, I think um, when, one of the things that has been really, um, that's been a little disappointing is hearing even Christians who, you know, are in diverse places, um, be really non-conversant in issues around racism in institutions. You know, like not understanding how racism plays out in healthcare or in education. And not that everyone needs to be an expert. And yet, right, if we don't, if, if we have a hard time understanding it, then it, I, I think it makes it hard to, and the reason that, that it bothers me is, um, how do you serve people so well if you can't really get into their whole experience, right? If you don't even understand, you know, when, when I, one of my really good friends I was pregnant, and the first thing I started praying about was that when she delivers her baby, God give her nurses and doctors who will listen to her and pay attention to her so she doesn't die. Because African-American women's maternal um, mortality rates are significantly higher than they should be in a developed country, and particularly more than white women. So it's higher than white women. And so, you know, I think about that. Um, and then even, you know, when I think about um, some, some of the rhetoric around um, people who want to go back to church and want to worship, um, when I see gatherings of people without masks on that are white, I just like, all I think about is all the black people you're gonna walk past and like all the Hispanic people who are dying at like significantly higher rates because of other things such as racism and healthcare. And so, you know, and I know it's, I know it doesn't come from an unloving place. And so that's the thing, like you wanna like chew them that meat, spit out the bones. And yet when I see that, I'm just like, it just feels, it feels very hurtful. It feels like, guys, it's only been two months since this guy died on camera. Like, why are we already back here? Like, why, why are we still struggling? Um, and yeah, so that, that is the place that where it can kind of come, you know, full circle. And yet, and yet, right. The, 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 the there's one thing where it's like, to, how do you hold people accountable? How do you say, Hey, when you do this, this hurts me. Hey, you know, it does. And this is why it hurts me. Um, and then at the same time, how do I do that in a way that still allows me to be fully present in a community, you know, fully myself in a community that is diverse? Because if I bail, then I'm also not doing what God has called me to do by planting me in specific places and specific times for, for reasons that are, that are also for my good, right? So, sorry, that was a very long answer. <laughs> That's a great answer, though, and you're right. I mean, a lot of times we don't we don't take that step that you were talking about there too, which is to communicate. Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, that's where you know Matthew 18. You know what I mean? If somebody offends you or sins against you, it's like 
go talk to them. And if they won't listen, take a couple people, talk to them. And if they still won't listen, then get the church leaders together and talk to them again. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like a real thing. Like the Bible's like, but the one option you don't have is like just avoid them, gossip about them, talk bad about them, quit on them, or whatever. I mean, there's there's like a process for yeah. for reconciliation, right? And it and yeah. it pretty much all of those paths involve a little bit of healthy biblical confrontation and conversation and yeah. a bit of yeah. conflict, right? Conflict resolution. Yeah. And it's, and it's also, you know, I, I, I agree. And then it's, you know, how do you do it? You know, it's, I've been reading a lot about um, how do you also do this when it's, you're part of a community at large, but not um, personally, right? So some, some of the, the, you know, I know, you know, some of the people, but not all of them, right? Hmm. So, you know, how do you do that? How do you do that in a way that also doesn't look like you know, posting, you know, mean things on social media to tear that person down um, in a way that then undermines a lot of maybe other amazing work that they're doing for the kingdom, right? Like, you know, there's, there's, there's this tension. And to your point, you know, I think it's good that you raised it. The fact that it is hard, um, I think, is indicative of the fact that God is calling us to something that the world does not model. Like the reason it feels so challenging for us is because we don't see it. And the reason we don't see it is because it's the world and we're not called to be like everybody else. Right. And it's like that, it's that tension. And you know, a part of this, and this is not ex any excuse for bad behavior, but the reality is, is in the church, we are going to offend each other for one thing or another. I don't just mean, you know, in yeah. areas of, of race or racism, but we, I mean, it just, we're human beings, we're male, female, we're all different gift mixes from different cultures, we're different generations. I mean, we're just going to annoy each other, you know what I mean, offend each other intentionally or unintentionally. The question is, what are we going to do with it, you know? Yeah. And like you gave the example of social media and what I see that sometimes, I mean, I asked you what's disappointing to you. What's disappointing to me sometimes is in, in the US, we're also in an election year, so this is likely to get worse before it gets better. It's just people like hating on each other in the public square um, that are Christians, you know what I mean? And actually, I read a thread recently where in the middle of all of these people arguing, one guy commented and everybody's like commenting and, and refuting and, you know, and this guy says, this is why I left the church. I still love Jesus, but I don't go to church anymore. Nobody commented on his comment. I was like, it really bothered me. It's like, there's this one guy in the room trying to say, hey, you know, but it, it's also interesting, a friend of mine, recently offended some people with something on social media. And when they, they basically kind of posted to each person that was offended, like, hey, sorry if I've offended you, I'd be willing to get together and talk about this, DM me and we'll set up a time. And not one person was willing to talk. So it's like a tension, right? It's like, yeah. sometimes it's easy for us to like post a little critique or a little blah, blah, blah. But if we're not willing to have conversations, like, you know, like, are we, are we really trying to reconcile here? You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. And it's because, um, you know, it's, it's a lot harder, a lot more vulnerable to sit in a room with someone or over the phone or whatever and say, Hey, this, this is, this hurt my feelings. Like th I feel like there's been some trust damaged. Here's my perspective, mm -hmm. but let me also hear yours. Right. Like, and let me, and let me actually try to hear it and let me really, really try to hear it. Um, I think particularly um, 
at least for, I can't speak for everyone, but I think when I have done this, when I've just like bailed on communities, um, or not communities, on, on like just like relationships or just like I don't want to deal, there's this other level of like exhaustion, right? It's like, you know, I do, I do a lot of stuff where um, I typically am like one of few black people in the room. And so it's like, you do it at work and you do it in like your extracurricular and you like da 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 and then like you get to church and you're just like I just want I want to not have to do this with these people, <laughs> these people too and then you have to do it again and so you know um again like it's not an excuse right because if we only look like everyone else it's like you don't be weary in doing good right like <laughs> we we start to get tired and and bail uh, out there's a real fatigue that comes with that yeah like um Somebody said to me recently, I don't remember who, it might be, uh, might have been Kaylee. Yeah. Said, uh, you know, I just get tired being everybody's educator. You know what I mean? It's like that. Why is that my responsibility to teach you all this stuff? Like, can't you like read some books and listen? You know what I mean? It's almost like crying out loud, do I have to explain my life again? You know, and it's like, yeah. like it's like a, it's a, it's a tension. But you know, you, you said something interesting, and I hope you don't mind me asking. Yeah. But, but I know when you shared a little bit of your story before we started the conversation was like, there was a moment when, oh, you, yeah. when you like Millie left Liberty. Yeah. And so explain, like explain the setup of that. Like what happened that triggered you to think maybe this isn't the right place and how did you navigate it? Cause I think that's like, a, I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, um, this is at a time where I think um, we were planning to move venues so before we were in, um, I don't know, it's like, is it downtown? I don't know. Downtown is so big. Yeah, yeah. So whatever area of Brooklyn that is, it feels like it's downtown, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's like another area that I don't never know the name or neighborhoods for. Um, but yeah, we were in we're in a place and we're moving to another location um, in Dumbo, which for me had a lot of connotations around, you know, this is a place where a lot of the rich white people live. Um, I knew that there had been tensions in the neighborhoods between you know, folks who have been there for a longer time, some of whom live in, um, you know, um, house in like New York City housing. Mm -hmm. um, and so and it was also kind of, I think in a time where, I think this is like right after like Eric Garner's, like after the police officers, you know, were found um, not guilty. And so it was just, it was, for me, it felt like a very, um, racially tense time more so than the normal and um i remember when we were going to move i just thought i cannot also go to church in this like super white area like i really i i i don't want to go and then and i also thought how can we be moving at this time from this like super diverse area it's like this like less diverse area it was it was, it was really hard for me and i um decided i was like you know i'm just gonna look around for other churches and so I like looked around and like <laughs> was visiting churches and um, was uh, calling um, calling home friends, getting recommendations, and finally I settled on a church. And I remember I prayed and I was like, God, I've found a church, you know, for me. And when you're ready to move me, that way I'll be ready to go. You know, like what, what you know, what, you know, it's like this like ridiculous prayer because like I. And to be clear, I should, what I should also say is like, God never released me. He never said, hey, yeah, now it's the time for you to move on. And so I was praying this prayer and in my spirit with clarity, God said, you don't get to leave family. This is not the way this goes. 
you don't get to pick up and leave because you're like feeling a certain kind of way. And so, um, and so I did it and I said, you know, you have put me in this place. Um, and so, Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write it out. And so, yeah, so that, that was my story, um, of, you know, trying to avoid conflict, trying to avoid, um, being in a place that I didn't feel was comfortable, um, avoiding, um, being a part of a decision I didn't like feel good about, you know, and I, you know, I feel there's, there's a God, I learned a lot about what it means to be under authority, you know, and under leadership of someone else. I learned a lot about what it means to execute a vision and support a vision that God didn't give you personally, <laughs> you know, which was like, Oh, I don't have to get it too. Okay. <laughs> good, good talk, Jesus. Um, and so, and I, and I learned a lot from that. Uh, so yeah, that, that was my, my piece. <laughs> Selfishly, I am so glad that you're still in our church family. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how many people over the years either saying something or not saying something, you know, made that decision. And I don't know, it's, it's between them and Jesus, whether they ever had that conversation or submitted that to him. I, you know, I, I got no sway over that because I'm not running a cult, you know, it's like people can come and go as they please, you know what I mean? Like that's the way it's got to be, you know, but I have massive respect for people that take that as a decision that they submit to God, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, where would you, where, where would you plant me? I'm, I'm the, I'm the branch or the vine, you know, you know better than me what's good for me. You know, I, I do fundamentally believe that to be true. And that doesn't take anything from, if anything, that makes it more important to have the hard conversations. It's like, all right, well, if I'm going to be here, yeah, and yeah. all of me is going to be here. So yeah. let let's do this. Let's not hide in the back. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is different. And I mean, if I could honor you, like I think you're shaping our downtown Brooklyn community. Um, you are without a doubt one of the pillars in the house. I already said at the beginning, one of my favorite preachers. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, a, and I, I think. I pray that you're creating the sort of place that would make many other people feel like they found home, yeah. community, and help us. I mean, even this conversation today, but a thousand more that are maybe off the record or whatever that are helping wrestle things to the ground to make this a safe, authentic yeah. place. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm mean, speaking specifically of downtown Brooklyn, but I, pr I pray it for our whole church. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. And I think, um, you know, what, what, what can be so tempting, you know, and it's like, it's kind of what I was saying before, like, sometimes I think you have to check yourself when things feel uncomfortable, like what, what is driving the discomfort? And then the other hand, sometimes you need to check yourself when like things feel real easy, when it just like flies right out of your mouth, or like, this is just, you know, and, and not that God does not redeem and restore and change patterns, right? right? 100%. And in the name of Jesus, there are going to be things that happens in my life increasingly automatically that are from the spirit and not from like how, who I was before. And yet there are times when I think it's healthy to say, you know what, that would have been a really easy choice for me to leave. And it would have been the wrong choice. It would have been the wrong decision. Like God would not have been able to do, he, not that he wouldn't have been able to. I don't think that being sometimes outside of the will of God, being walking in disobedience, you get the same type of blessing than you get when you're in. And so, um, 
uh, would have been in disobedience in that moment and that would have prevented a lot of things from growing in me. And then to your, your point, I wouldn't have been able to have influence in the way that I think God has allowed me to have in this body, in this specific community where I'm able to, you know, um, ask questions and maybe suggest things that no, that other people might not have suggested in the same way, you know? And so then, and what, what a disadvantage that would have been, you know? So, yeah. So. Yeah. To many, I think to many people. Yeah. I'm grateful for what you bring and I'm grateful that, that, that you didn't bail. Um, yeah. I'm grateful that I didn't bail. There's definitely been moments when I think, God, have I got a new assignment? You know what I mean? It's, um, you know, 2020 has been an interesting thing. Like that's a whole thing, like leading through the times that we're in right now is challenging. And yet I think, you know, he's on the throne. Yeah. And I've often said, you know, while there's breath, there's hope, you know what I mean? So I just got to keep on getting up and going again. And and I, I pray, you know, this is probably a good place even for us to land the conversation. Maybe I can even have you pray over us and pray some action steps over us. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, pray that we do something with these conversations. But my my prayer is that we're, we are going to keep on leaning in um and that you know i I know i put you on the spot with your story i pray it's encouraging to other people that maybe are feeling that same thing you know maybe it'd be easier some some other place and you know what i I should say something out loud it's important to say god moves people sometimes there's no two ways about it it's like just because you like you know made liberty home like hey there's not a i got nobody in a headlock so you know what i'm saying like God moves people to other cities, to other churches, and amen to that. Like he is the Lord of the harvest, and I am clearly not. I'm just, I'm a manager, I'm a steward of a local church under him. So yeah. just to be clear. At the same time, sometimes in these moments of conflict or turmoil or disorientation, I think even right now in times like these when we haven't been gathering in person for a while, there's like an atrophy or a, call it a spiritual drift or something that can happen, which is maybe got nothing to do with race or reconciliation or calling, but it's just like, but that sense of like, you know, what, what he said to you about family that I pray would be anchoring for people in times like these where maybe they're hurting financially or maybe they're hurting because they're just like quarantine life or, or whatever, you know, disoriented in career or place or whatever. So would you mind maybe just kind of closing us out with some sort of prayer blessing? I don't know. Yeah. God. I mean, I need it. We need it. So yeah, no, happy to, happy to do it. Yeah. Uh, so God, you're, you're so good in all seasons and all times. You are um, not just present, you know, in like the, in the mystical sense that you're, you know, kind of in the room, but you are, you are literally here with us. Holy Spirit, we're grateful that you were in this conversation. We're grateful for all the people who are going to watch, who are going to be encouraged, who are going to be hopefully challenged as well. God, just like you said that um, without faith, it's impossible to please you. You also said faith without works is dead. And so, God, we're grateful that um, you are calling us to action, even in how we live out our faith. And so we just ask that you would give us um, the right people, that you would put people in our lives um, who look like all of the tapestry of the people you created in the world, that you would put us in closer relationships, that you would 
make us aware of areas where we look more like the world than we look like you, that we would be challenged and shaken out of these habits of even how we talk to one another and how we engage with one another, that you would open our eyes to see opportunities to pursue real justice, um, that we would be less uh, uh, jumpy to move out of the hard spots, that we would sit in them, that we would endure them as family, that we would really be a city on a hill, that we would be people um, who, who exhibit your goodness and your grace to the rest of the world. Um, we love you. I'm grateful for Paul and Andy. I guess ask that you would continue to give them wisdom as a steward in these, in these times. I'm grateful for all of the other pastors um, who we placed in New York City. God, we're just grateful for everything that's going to happen in our community, in our beautiful city, in our wonderful state. Um, and we ask all of your blessings over all of your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Paul.